0: Pumpkins rot away, black tar of fear overflows, I heard the shriek of a ghost, darkness seeps into my bones, a night as black as ink, desire to run and hide, in the nightmares I sink, on this ghost train we must ride, Woo! Well hello, welcome back to the Bell Witch Podcast with me, Swales, the friendly Green Witch, How are you doing? Did you have a good October and a fantastic Halloween and excellent Sawen? I hope you did. It's now November and I'm a bit sad that the spooky season has come to an end, but hey, all good things have to come to an end, right? I've just noticed on the software that I record this on, they've actually changed the record button into a tiny little pumpkin, (laughs) which is just so cute. I appreciate that little update on my software. Thank you for that wave pad master. (laughs) So, did you like the last episode with all three witches having a bit of an ease up in Louisa's kitchen talking about all kinds of ghosty-ghouly stories? I hope you did. It was something a bit different because Lily Rivers, the DJ, Superstar DJ Witch introduced it and did the sign-on and the sign-off. It was pretty cool for me just to edit another person doing the intros. That was quite a nice little editing experience. I enjoyed that. Happy to be back in the driving seat for the Bellwitch podcast. It had almost 150 downloads in just over a week which for me is a, is a record. I almost made it to my sawen target of 25 ratings on Spotify. I got 23 so I'm not going to give myself too hard a time. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Apple Podcasts are still a bit uh, stagnant on the 11 rating. So if you're on there listening to me on Apple, I'd always love a rating and a review. That'd be awesome. So what's going on? I am working, well, I say working, I'm volunteering at Witchfest this month. Witchfest is down in London on the 18th of November, all the Saturday in Croydon I believe and I am volunteering with the Witchfest staff as you know my other job that's not so witchy I'm, I'm a steward an SIA door supervisor and so I'm volunteering to work as stewarding on the event and that means I get a trip to London and I also get to see Witchfest and work on the stalls and hand out flyers for this podcast so if you are going do come along and say hi i listen to your podcast and that would just make me have a little dance on the spot. it'd be great <laughs> it'd be great to meet you also on the witchy notice board is pagans of the north physical magazine is underway as we speak quinn who i interviewed a few episodes ago being busy squirreling behind the scenes getting the pages together yule edition is a physical copy which will be available to pre-order on the 6th of november so get your little witchy emits on an amazing magazine. I will be in it with a little bit of poetry and a bit of other bits and bats. Stay tuned for that. I also did a little interview in the magazine for the Sawen edition, which is an interview about how I started with my little witchy biz and also my pagan parenting stuff's in there as well. So it's a bit swales heavy, the Sawen edition. <laughs> I hope you don't mind, but it's just good fun to write. I love to write as well as podcasts so check that out go on to north.co.uk and you can download it there and subscribe so you get early access online magazines when they get published check it out the last episode I could tell i had to edit quite a lot out of it because when we recorded we had over a hundred minutes which is like over an hour and a half worth of content which is just too big for a podcast they don't tend to do very well if they're over an hour And so I had to chop quite a lot out. Also, it did feel a bit clunky at times because I had to cut whole stories out and some things were said that didn't make sense. And I apologise for that, dear listener. I do try my best for you on this podcasting journey of mine. This episode has been in the planning for quite a while. I am going to bring you more of a sceptic angle for this one, dear listener, just to uh, keep you on your toes. It won't be so spooky, it'll be looking at the alternative theories mostly and what my swales brain thinks of them and then I'm going to introduce you to my Ouija board, give you a brief history and a bit of insight into what I think about a Ouija and ghosts and how it works, stories that i read and all that jazz. So here we go, I hope you like it. I've always known that I love ghosts and i'm really interested in paranormal and and i think doing the last episode just confirmed it for me came to the surface quite quickly after that and i just became obsessed (laughs) again (laughs) paranormal ghosts and spirits and talking to them and i'm kind of harboring a little bit of a secret desire to be a ghost hunter i just love the idea of being a respectful ghost hunter and perhaps doing small groups of people like like-minded witches or pagans or spiritualists or mediums that have the same goals i don't know if you can remember that back in april time me and jodie from mother serpentine tarot got together and did a ghost hunting night at the local pub in leeds i don't know if you remember that and we learned a lot that night and i think we needed more rules but it was it was good although i didn't feel like i did much ghost hunting because i was just stuck on the spirit board all night and when I tried to ghost hunt I were requested to go back on the board so I felt a bit meh about the whole thing. Being the spooky month it has been it was on my mind quite a lot and so I invested in a few books. (laughs) I got this book called Ghost Hunting A Practical Guide by Andrew Green. Aha Green. Coincidence. And I was so excited to read this book and it is the most unspookiest ghost book i've ever read in my life it was just so practical and and scientific and kind of to me stating a few obvious things you know like really questioning if it's a ghost like oh check all the windows and the doors and is it a squirrel outside in the tree tapping on the window and i was a bit like eh <laughs> sciencey stuff and quantum physics stuff and trying to figure out where stuff is before you go oh my god it's a spirit and then them are already it was a bit like gosh it's just making me question everything which is also good and also because i've been ODing on the old uncanny bbc uncanny has been on tv it it's had the episodes from the podcast were so good that danny robbins ended up doing a bbc few episodes i think there was three episodes really good I, i suggest check them out but it's this year Kieran O'Keefe, you know this parapsychologist and is just is always throwing a spanner in my witchy brain, like whenever some crazy scary happens, he comes along with all his theories and suggestions that are actually really good. Some stuff he says, it's like, Oh my god, am I becoming a sceptic? What is that about? He's just so good at what he suggests. I mean, you know who he is, he's quite famous for debunking. Derek O'Cora, I think he did it on a Most Haunted episode where he was suspecting that the medium was a big fraud and then planted loads of false information with his team on the internet and I don't know where else but Derek swears that he never does research with the places he goes so Kieran planted loads of fake ghosts (laughs) around the place and Derek did indeed channeled them for a most haunted episode and then I think Kieran like dobbed him in it and said well actually me and my mates made these ghosts up so you're a big fraud don't know if you've seen that episode I haven't seen it, it is on my list of things to watch but I think it pretty much destroyed Derek Cora's whole career in just one blow it was really it must have been really severe I think maybe once he was a really good psychic and then perhaps he wavered a bit and then had to make it up to keep the momentum going I don't know it's just a theory And I suppose we'll never know now because dear old Derek is now a ghost himself joining his mate Sam who used to bring him all these messages. He left this mortal plane and now become a spirit himself. R.I.P. Derek. So there's going to be a few spoilers because I'm going to talk about the things he said in the episodes. Kieran that is. Yeah, sorry I went on a bit of a random rabbit hole just then, didn't I? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Kieran and what he says. Episode where he was on about infosound and how infrasound can make you feel a bit weird and a bit watched and make the ground feel not right and so the experiment was set in an old aircraft hangar massive container space in the army and this guy this sound guy set up lines of infrasound in like a grid And then these students came along from the local area and were told there's a ghost, it's haunted and you're going to feel it in certain points. And when you feel it in certain points, when something doesn't feel right, put a marker on the floor, you know, like a paper plate, which had like a ghost drawn on it or something. And it was really interesting because as they were walking around in this massive hangar and they were putting them down on the floor and going like, ugh feel something here it feels unnerving and then at the end of the experiment they got told what what it was really about and the grid where the lines crossed of the infrasound was where the most of the students had put the markers because it was the strongest at the cross and that just blew my mind it was just like whoa that that must say a lot about um you know that when we feel stuff if there's infrasound around then i reckon that has got a lot to answer for And one of the stories that was based on this theory was a haunted house where there were a guys throwing stuff about and people feeling weird and waking up. But the house was near a train track and this train track produced high infrasound against the side of the house where the bathroom and the said bedroom was that were having these ghost experiences. I think it just really got to me. It was a bit like, that's a big deal, man. That changes a lot in ghost hunting world, doesn't it? So I've been following this Danny Robbins on the old internet, listening to and looking at all his work. And when it all started, there's quite a lot out there. It's worth a look. I managed to read his new book in a day. Well, I say read. I listened to it on Spotify all day, and it would just. An absolute, a magnificent listen. I really recommend the book. You know, like he flip-flops in his views throughout the book because Kieran O'Keefe's there with all his scientific explanations. (laughs) Brilliant. I mean, and then I found his podcast, his first podcast called, I think it's just called Haunted. The last story on this podcast is from a nurse who felt guilt about a patient that died who she'd got to know really well. And when he died, she was so busy another colleague said the day after oh what happened to you know this guy and she said oh I forgot to tell you he died and then she felt really guilty about that for quite a long time and as the story progressed the room that he died in started behaving differently I think papers were blowing around and there were bangs and shuffles and the nurses got scared to go in and then very last night apparently she worked there she saw a ball of light coming down the corridor which reminded me of the ball of light from Lily's story you know like the orb the glowing orb orb that walks towards her and then she goes and it covers it reminded me of that and that's why it's in my memory all these nurses I think they were three night nurses and they were all looking at it going like oh my gosh can you see that can you see that they were like yes I can see that and so the rang the boss nurse who came down. You know, was taking it really seriously. And she walked them to the door and opened the door of this room. And apparently it felt really weird. And the floor wasn't wasn't the floor. It felt like it was moving. And then, you know, they were like, OK, let's start this room. And I think she quit shortly afterwards. But then this infrasound theory is, again, blamed for it all. It's like, because of all the machinery in the hospital would have made the infrasound travel, it would have come into the room. And because she were feeling guilty already by this poor patient that died and she'd forgot, like a guilt, et away. But Danny was saying, but what about this orb that they all saw? And, you know, they all swear they saw. And it was a long time ago, it's like 30, 30 years ago. He said, well, a few years ago, there was an experiment, the Mickey Mouse experiment, where a load of people went to universal studios and then after the trip was asked did you see mickey mouse and only a few of them saw not many maybe two or three And then a few years later the same question was asked did you see mickey mouse and almost all of them said yes we definitely definitely saw mickey mouse and they could remember the details of mickey mouse on this trip a few years ago like five years ago ten years ago by the end i think of the decade or something everybody could remember mickey mouse or almost everybody the clangor is it was universal studios so like mickey mouse is disney (laughs) to me that's like big ass mic drop right there power of suggestion and borrowing each other's memories and you know these nurses will have talked about it and started to remember the same memory because they're talking about it so then danny was like all right then so how how was the, the ghost how did the ghost become a ghost you know like what was the catalyst movement to make this guilt-ridden nurse I think it was a ghost and apparently right at the beginning of the story there was um, a lovely cleaner that used to clean all the rooms a few days after this patient died the cleaner cleaned his room and suggested briefly that it felt a bit weird and there might be a ghost and that seed was just planted off the cusp of this mention and it grew into this really pissed off ghost which obviously reflected how this nurse felt. Which again is a bit like, why would the ghost be pissed off? Because this guy was really lovely in real life and he knew he was dying and it was a bit of a sad death, but he loved these nurses because they were good at the job and he's built a report of them. But anyway, the cleaner planted the seed, not on purpose, and that grew in the mind of these nurses. Kieran O'Keefe, man, what are you doing to me? I'm supposed to be a mystic witch, spiritual believer medium, spooky lass. All this because I started reading this book. And then, of course, I got onto this other book about the Ouija board. Now, this book is called Ouija The Most Dangerous Game by Stoker Hunt. And it is written similar to Danny Robin's book. Do you know it flip flops between belief and scepticism, which I really like because I swing. Like a pendulum myself between I definitely 100% believe and I am 80% skeptic, 70% skeptic, 90% skeptic, and it does swing each side for me. This book covers a range of things, mostly the spirit board, but also little bits of phenomenon like on the same tracks. Been hearing a lot as well about the philip experiment Do you, have you heard about this philip experiment it's absolutely me. it's come across my radar a few times because i've been on ghost podcasts and stuff let me find the page and i'll read a bit the philip experiment was carried out by toronto society of physical researchers which is a non-profit organization founded in the 1970s to promote research on the frontiers of science and disseminate information. It was a dedicated group of society volunteers, none of them mediums or spiritual, and they all agreed they didn't believe in anything. They met regularly in fully lit rooms, talked about creating a ghost named Philip. And these people were all different types of people and they were all quite well-educated and scientists and new shit, you know, the new shit. And they got together and they designed a ghost called Philip. And it was really detailed. He knew a king and he was with a woman he didn't like and he had an affair with a woman who got tried as a witch. And he ended up throwing himself off a cliff because he was so depressed that she got burned at the stake. There were loads of details, absolutely tons of it. And they met for a long time in conditions which weren't spooky trying to communicate with this ghost and nothing happened for ages and they all got frustrated and started trying different stuff they decided to do a seance now the videos of this is absolutely astonishing they do table tipping and the table is off it's off the ground i I watched the videos and they're really easily available all over the internet and it's just it's bizarre after they had done a seance i think they tried different spiritual methods for about five years in in a room with seance conditions you know like dark and candlelit room with maybe some background music and some incense the philip experiment strongly supports the idea that both philip and the wide range of phenomena associated with philip are products of the group's collective conscious and subconscious knowledge. Because when they asked Philip stuff, they only knew what Philip knew. If they changed something in Philip's story, then the answers to the questions they were asking Philip changed too. And if Philip didn't know, it's because the group didn't know, you know, because nobody thought of adding that to the bibliography. So this confirmed that Philip wasn't real and they couldn't tell the future and he only knew collective information consciously and also apparently unconsciously and this experiment is groundbreaking because the results show that telepathy god i can't even say it now telepathy <laughs> you know where you can move stuff with your mind <laughs> or when you can read each other's mind telepathy seems to take place and exist between ordinary people who. And- who make no claim to be psychic. And even at times, between people who seemed to have no awareness, it was happening. People were creating an environment without any belief, but with a desire, I think. And stuff were moving, and it would being ghosty and a bit scary. And because the brain is so powerful, and it adds, it makes... And it improves and it fills in the gaps, which I've heard before. But, I mean, even that's astonishing on its own, you know, we have the power as a collective to move stuff with his mind and to think up and dream up ghosts and, like, manifestations and stuff, which I guess all ties into manifesting, you know, what you want from the universe. There's a bit of overlap there, isn't there? I mean, I think I read somewhere that some people actually forgot, you know, that Philip was fictional because the things that was happening in the room was so impressive and so astounding. Some were so into it that they forgot that it wasn't a real ghost. I'm sure I read that somewhere. I hope I didn't make it up. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've read so much on this now. I'm proper addicted to the story. But there was one little bit that makes me really go, ooh. When all the group came together with this dude called Frank Riley, who came in to do more experiments with the group one of the experiments was they all had to think of a word and not tell him and he were recording the session and then when he played it back many times he finally made note of this voice he could hear a voice and it sounded like it was saying burn his hat so when Riley went to the group and announced this is what can hear they all said what the word was and the word was bananas (laughs) So Bernie's Hat and Bananas. But the mystery is, nobody knows how that sound got on the tape. I mean, nobody knows. Has that tape recorded a collective thought? I mean, how amazing is that? Don't you think that's just amazing? I just cannot get my head around that. This whole Philip thing is very my Some people really dislike it because, of course, it'll do a lot of damage to mediumship. Whereas others think it's another ghost just squeezing in there, you know, like having a great good time pretending to be Philip. And if anything, it just strengthens the mediumship argument. I think, I think, what do I think? I think both are true. I think, if I'm honest, I cannot say that spirits are not real. I just can't. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. It probably is just us making it up because of fear. Because fear travels, doesn't it? I mean, I went to see Insidious at the cinema when I was a student at Sheffield doing jewellery design with all the girls from the class. And we all watched it and we all shit as pants. We were so frightened and the whole room was really, really frightened, you know, when that face is behind and everybody fucking jumps a mile. I was really scared. And then when I watched it alone when it came out i can't believe how much of a pile of shit it was and that's because (laughs) fear and ideas travel between groups of people things are a lot more scarier when other people are scared and you can't help but mirror it and you pick it up because we're humans and we take information from each other in body language and in tone and in behavior And that's why I think I love the idea of going on ghost spirit hunt. I mean, I'd love to stay in that house, you know, in um, Pontefract, near Chequers Lane, is it? That 70s poltergeist house. I'd love to, but I'm a little bit hesitant to do well-known ghost stuff because I think the fear would not be from stuff we're here or we see. It's from what we're physically manifesting ourselves, you know, and there'll be nothing there'll be a good chance that there'll be nothing going on and it'll just be humans being humans filling in the gaps and scaring each other not on purpose but just because their subconscious can't help but do that so i've yet to find a ghost tour that i would feel very comfortable with I don't know I cannot I can't disbelieve I just can't I mean I've had too many weirdy things happen to me you like the coffin story that I spoke about in the previous episode I mean what was that that was that was not my imagination that was real was it infrasound I don't think infrasound can physically make sounds like that can it (laughs) But I think if you're at home and you're scared because you've watched a film and you're trying to sleep, this argument that I'm giving you right here will be a good tool to take a deep breath and a little think of Philip experiment and infrasound. You'll be asleep in two minutes, I can assure you. (laughs) Hello, lovely listeners. I just wanted to uh, stop the podcast for a moment and tell you about this wonderful new online community I've discovered just recently. Pagans of the North online magazine is a network for pagans, witches, heathens and others on similar paths in and around the north of England, providing a free online magazine, a blog, a directory and other resources on the website as well as online courses, offering free advertising for businesses and sellers, highlighting the north of England but read by people nationally and internationally. It's a great place to find magic in different businesses or connect with like-minded souls. Speaking about being a pagan and a witch in the 21st century, as well as all the centuries ago, Every issue is unique and absolutely beautiful. You can subscribe at pagansofthenorth.co.uk for early access to the magazine, news and events coming up as well as other little sneak peeks and Easter eggs. This is a free magazine so it's entirely run by volunteers who would love to connect with you. Got a business you want to advertise? Then give us an email. You can email us at pagansofthenorth at gmail.com and we're always looking for people to write stuff in from poetry to a subject you're passionate about to a blog post and all kinds of magical subjects. Come aboard, join our little community, make friends and unearth some more magic in your beautiful pagan life. For this next bit, I thought it might be interesting to talk about Ouija boards, spirit boards, my spirit board and attempt kind of like a little brief history of them and a few little stories I read that made me go "Ooh, that's cool because again it has two sides like how it might work like team believer and team skeptic spiritually or with the automatic movement that we create as human beings and I think there's quite good arguments on both sides. You know, I've got an issue with calling it a Ouija board just because of all the stigma that's attached to the name. But for the sake of this podcast, I will refer to it as the brand name of a Ouija board, just for clarity. The Ouija board's been around for a long time. Its phenomenon is controversial, and so, so have its roots. Its roots are really deep, and it's been around long before the 1800s when it became big business in the gaming world, like the board game world. Not the gaming world, come on now, Swales, we're not talking about Minecraft here. No one person or culture can take credit for its development. Origins are multiple and ancient, having been independently reinvented and rediscovered worldwide in a variety of locations at different times. I mean, Ouija it's, is nothing less than a, a folk knowledge, a universal folk instrument. In China, centuries ago, 551. PC in this book <laughs> a weird like instruments was commonplace to communicate with spirits and the dead so i know like in ancient china they used to it used to be more basic they used to just be the planchette without the board and the words and i think that's how they used to do automatic writing using the planchette to speak to the dead and the ancestors around them in rome an instrument like this was popular in the third century a.d In one famous case, three experimenters predicted the name of the person who would succeed the reigning emperor, and the three of the Romans were tried for treason, and the soldier named as a successor was was executed, all because some Romans were messing about with something like a Ouija bar we know today, which is just mind-blowing in itself. And then in North America, long before Columbus arrived, Native Americans used an instrument they called... Oh god, here we go, let's try and... uh read it <laughs> squadilacty or something a squadilact board to locate lost articles and missing people the board had symbols of the alphabet and letters on it and so transmitted information how certain religious ceremonies could be performed within the the tribe which is really cool isn't it i think that's awesome oh there's loads what else In France, a spiritualist named M. Planchet invented the instrument in 1853, similar to the one Parker Brothers now manufactures. So that's, you know, like the little heart-shaped one we all know today. It had three little legs on it, and one of them was a pencil, apparently. And when the Planchet moved, the pencil wrote a coherent message. The use of this instrument became a fad throughout France and her empire. It really took off in America, didn't it, when William Flood invented it. Well, in highlighted commas, invented it in 1892. But it was a year earlier the US patent was issued by Elijah J. Bond, who claimed actually he was the inventor of the Ouija board as we know it today. But Flood bought the rights from Bond in 1892 and filed for another patent. Flood then founded the Southern Novelty Company in Baltimore, Maryland, later to be known as the Baltimore Talking Board Company, and began producing the Oriole talking boards. But it was William Flood that made his fortune from the board. Flood actually used to ask the board what to do with business, and I think it told him a bunch of stuff like make your empire create. A factory, he ended up dying, didn't he, from the factory, didn't he fall off the roof? Putting up a flag rail and the death was absolutely bizarre, but that's another story. But the popularity of this board took off in World War One when thousands of stay-at-home citizens turned to the Ouija board in an attempt to keep in touch with sons and husbands and lovers that were fighting over in Europe. In terms of design, what appears to be the characteristic curve of the words on the board has developed throughout the sales history. You know that curve, curve that we know today that you see on all original designed William floodboards. I've got one next to me right now. That was the big design that made it. And it sold more than Monopoly at the time. <laughs> it's just madness. God, I hate Monopoly. It's like Ikea. I like the idea of doing it. And then when I'm playing it, it goes on for a century and I'm just falling out with all family. Why are we even doing this? This is just not fun. <laughs> The mysterious talking oracle, it was reported, had succeeded the Bible and the prayer book in most student accommodation rooms and whatnot. All them drawers no longer had the Bibles in it, but they had probably mini Ouija boards. (laughs) Aw, mini Ouija boards well cute, though. And that was in in 1919. Then, in 1966, the Parker Brothers were one of the most successful producers of children's games, and they had purchased the rights to the Ouija board and then moved operations from Baltimore to Massachusetts. The first full year after the takeover, the Parker brothers sold more than two million Ouija boards. And then, of course, that is when the Ouija board did better than Monopoly that year. And then in 1920, the Ouija board got taken to court. The International Revenue Service contended that the Ouija board was just a game and because of that, it's taxable. But the Baltimore Talking Board Company argued against this, saying, that the Ouija board was a form of amateur mediumship and is not a game or a sport. It can talk to the side and get in touch with spirits and it could probably cause harm to others but the court ruled against Baltimore Talking Board Company so they'd have to pay taxes. I mean the judge agreed it was a unique class all by itself, plainly different and distinguishable from other encouraged games for children but the jury concluded that it was safe. Psychologists recognise the Ouija board as a realm of means of expression and probably work via automatism. Some believed it were a bit mysterious. Anyway, they concluded not mysterious enough, obviously. This story is quite interesting. It could be just a tax dodge or it could be something deeper. It's the communication from this world to the next. It's the Baltimore talking board company that don't call it Ouija and they believe it's more than a game so that kind of marries up with what I feel like as well which I quite like that little uh, coincidence there I know there's some interesting conversations about the actual name Ouija I think the popular belief is that the word Ouija comes from the French and German words for yes it's a misconception in fact the name was given a word spelled out on the board when a medium called Helen Peters Noseworthy asked the board to name itself. And when asked what the word meant, it responded with good luck, which is quite a nice positive thing. But there was also a more practical and market-driven explanation for the Ouija name after the name was sent, Peters revealed she was wearing a, a locket that some suggested had a Ouija written on it. One of the theories of this locket was that Ellen Peters was a well-read upper-class woman. She liked the red stories from an English novelist called Ouida, spelled O-U-I-D-A. It's not a stretch to believe that perhaps she were wearing the locket on the night they were using the Ouija board and the word was in the subconscious. It starts coming to you subconsciously and then before you know it there is the name and i think that feels a bit more realistic to me what else can i tell you i mean i don't want to just flood your head with stories and history from the book there is a lot there's tons of it you know you can find it out pretty easily from just having a google or getting a few books out of the library big fan of the library here don't think if you've noticed <laughs> right next to me i have my ouija board so this ouija board I Say Talking Board is the classic William Flood design with the sun and the moon in the corners. And the curvature of the letters made on plywood by the looks of it. It's just a sticker on the plywood. But I think that was just how they were made. I quite love it because it says Leeds and London on it. And of course, I'm in Leeds, are Trademark William Flood. Mystifying Oracle. and of the package design. Goodbye. <laughs> I actually really love this board. And I got this board through Sam of Black Cat and Cauldron in Leeds via a witchy stock swap. And I loved it straight away, it Just it's a really lovely item to have and I absolutely treat it with respect and I have a special bag for it and some purple velvet that I wrap around it. I tend not to bother with the planchette because it, it's crap really, it's really big, it doesn't work very well. It, my board works better with a shot glass so you can see through when it moves on to a letter it's just a bit more easier to use and understand that way. But the question is how do I think that they work? From all the stuff I've been researching. And then, of course, this Kieran O'Keefe with all his ideas and his scientific research and his ideomotor actions, which you've probably heard about from Uncanny. His theory is it's the power of suggestion which kickstarts the message. If somebody moved it for the sake of getting stuff going, and moved it to D. Then automatically without you even realising. Your subconscious would spell out Dave. Because you know the mind's always trying to find the easiest route. To make sense of things. And I do believe this happens a lot. I, I reckon in the wrong circumstances when people just want to laugh and they're fed up away waiting and there's not much spiritual respect going on. I think that happens a lot. I bet it happens a lot. And I would say it happens maybe 80% of the time, if I'm honest. But there's got to be at least at least 10, 20% of the time when stuff does come through. But when I think about the board, it's like it's made in a factory by people who probably aren't that spiritual, who had got a nine to five job earning money for the family. It's not made with magic. When I create things to sell, I mindfully make them with magic and that gives them a little bit of power. But then on the other hand, apply that to tarot cards. When you get a deck of cards, I believe it's just paper and the magic comes from the user and the querent who has a desire and has magic and has mindfulness and respect for spirit and the occult and stuff. They bring the magic to the tool. So in my witchy head, it's the same with Ouija board or spirit board. Do I think they can open portals? No. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> You'd have to be really good, I think, at spirit stuff to do that because it can't be an easy task. Or is it an easy task? I don't know. Personally, I can't really get on board with that. Do I believe you can invite the devil in? No, because I don't believe in the devil. I think life is more than good and evil but everything that i read about ouija board is very catholic centered you know like the church is not a fan and to get better you have to bring a dude in a dog collar vicar to come in and get the devil or the demon out of you like i don't believe that i just can't i don't know it's just too very hollywood and i think the 70s exorcist film has a lot to answer for but then do i believe You can bring in spirits that have hidden agendas that are not necessarily bad or evil, but then could cause a bit of chaos, could be a bit mischievous. Do I believe that? I do, yeah. (laughs) And that's why you've got to ask for protection. It's not as extreme as, I don't think it's as extreme as people make out. You could just have an annoying spirit wasting your time for an hour telling you crap on a board that is just lies. (laughs) And then there's the argument that earthbound spirits are up to no good because they've got unfinished business and they're pretty pissed about the life and probably the death and so they want to cause havoc and if they're not spirits with issues then they go to the next plane or the reincarnation or to the pearly gates or whatever so that's suggesting only spirits who want to cause harm hang around therefore that's all you'll receive on the ouija board and you shouldn't contact these spirits I can't remember where i read that it might have been on a reddit thread or something like that <laughs> it might have been in a book and then a reddit thread and that's why it stuck in my head oh it rhymes i'm not sold on that little argument either obviously i've got deep seated relationship and possibly a few conflicting views on all of this <laughs> there is a little bit in the book that mentions the exorcist and that, that is actually based on a true story but it was a little lad who were having the trouble and he went to loads of places to get help and some stuff did happen like beds were shaking and stuff being thrown around oh my god was that infosound But I think from what I gathered, he just went and got help from lots of different people who were spiritual and not spiritual, you know, like counsellors and psychologists and stuff. And it just went away ever so gradually. So it probably was a mental illness he was suffering and he just happened to point it all to the, the Ouija board. And again, that kind of ties into the Philip experiment because you're feeding this idea, aren't you? when you think about it a plot is kind of like a mini table in it so it's like mini table tipping maybe that's a bit of a tedious link monty python style <laughs> but then people use the ouija board to do all kinds of things i know that in the book i've just read there's loads of examples 50 50 good and bads that people have experienced you know like famous composers writing an amazing piece on the piano to poets writing beautiful poetry to People meeting the spirit guides, creating connections with spirit that enables them to be a fantastic medium, all the way through to people being haunted and incubus, hurting women. And I can only read and try and make my own mind up. Some of it has got to be mental health related. It's got to be. And then some of it would be all the different theories from the ideomotor theory and telepathy theory, moving stuff for your mind. But not all of it some of it has to be spirit related it has to be i think i remember reading something about an experiment with table tipping where some dude had put mechanism on the table top and when people were doing table tipping if they pressed you hard this machine would move a certain way which meant that the people who were touching the table top were adding pressure obviously unconsciously making this machine move would indicate that the people on the table were responsible for the actual table tipping and not the spirit and then when the people who were in the experiment were told this it broke the spell for them as individuals and as a collective and then they couldn't table tip anymore because Somebody had given them evidence that they were doing it and it's like their mind couldn't trick them into it anymore. It couldn't fool them. It's like the mysticism is lost. It's amazing. Reminds me of my own relationship I have with pendulums. Out of everything, I just don't gel with pendulums at all. I hold it and it doesn't move. And I think it doesn't move because I'm just so aware, you know, like of my muscles and my heart and having things move a desire and then that prevents it moving at all so maybe there is a little bit of truth in that i remember when i was pregnant with clementine i was doing hypnobirthing classes the lady there was doing some pendulum work but not spiritual at all it were to emphasize how you can control the pendulum with your mind you know and get it to shake different ways and stuff and the overall lesson there was you are in control of your body you know you can have the perfect birth so it was quite a cool tool but then that just added to my disarmer of being able to use the pendulum because i agree with this and i already know really it was subconsciously and that's why i can't ever use the pendulum no shade to those witches who love it and have spiritual connection these are all my own experiences and i'm throwing no negativity towards witches and spiritualists that use the pendulum you just keep doing what you do i proper respect you i just hear so many stories from people and from podcasts that i listen to about stuff that they got on the ouija board and it came true i can't remember it was uncanny with danny robbins talking about a ouija board experience with a family and a sister who was really into tarot cards and they got a message through in the summer that their auntie was going to get really ill and die of i think it was liver cancer in october was very specific well who's this and apparently it was the grandma or something of the family so everybody got scared and stopped doing it the auntie in question was really fine healthy she was at the hospital at the time of the message because she was getting some kind of annual checkup so as the months progressed she got ill and she did indeed die when the Ouija board said she did which is mad absolutely mad and when this was talked about I think we've Blooming Kieran, here we go. Kieran was saying that's just coincidence that it got it all got right, and maybe there was a bit of subconscious in there. Coincidences happen every day, and we just don't notice them. From just thinking about the post, and the post turns up, people call you when you think about them, to massive coincidences like how the world works and the fact that we have seasons and night and day, how medical coincidences Help us discover medicine that keep us alive and kicking. All because someone made a happy mistake and put the wrong herb in the wrong vat or something. Voila, we have something amazing. But then, as a witch, I tend to not believe in coincidences so much anyway. I might have made that up, but in my mind, that's what I heard. (laughs) What a massive coincidence that is, just balmy. Now, just a random thought here. Can you do a Ouija board with your eyes closed? how does that work do the spirits use your eyes or are they next to year also moving the glass if indeed they're there at all maybe if you are a board user maybe some of you try with your eyes closed some of you tries with your eyes open do a mix do all together see what happens i'd love to do that but it's quite interesting the one last thought i'm going to leave you with is ouija boards i love them for many reasons They're beautiful and they've got really cool history. They just scream occult. Everybody knows what one is. You can get decor with them and stuff. And they are powerful and they can be dangerous in terms of mental health. And I think they do communicate with your subconscious, absolutely. And they bring to the surface things that you probably already know that are really deep down. And so that makes them dangerous within the self if they're going to bring off the mask that you're wearing to get through your daily life it brings things up that you've got to deal with that you can't avoid anymore your subconscious starts to answer your back almost giving your other self power your dark self power kind of reminds me of shadow work and that in its in its own right can be dangerous before we even think about spirits so you've got to be in a good mindset to use them rightly and safely and yeah kids shouldn't use them and adolescents shouldn't use them be in a good state of mind be respectful am i going to continue using the spirit board i am yeah am i going to continue respecting it and believing that the ghost is use it to communicate i am yeah because i think both of these things happen i think i am a lot more questioning ever so more sceptical than I used to be. I'm so much more of a sceptic these days because of everything I'm reading and consuming online and listening to and watching. But if anything, in a weird kind of shadow worky way, that just makes me a bit more connected to the spirit I'm sure of that perhaps don't use the spirit board with me. They don't need to use a spirit board with me. To think like there's nothing there and we just create our own spiritual realm reality is a pretty sad feeling for me. I'd think to myself, what is the point living this magical life if there's just us making shit up with our deep suggestible brain? (laughs) there you go in a nutshell that's my views the nutshell was rather large i hope it wasn't boring for you if you have enjoyed this weird skeptical mystical episode and generally the bell witch podcast please leave me a review and a rating whenever you get your podcast from you absolute diamond if you can tell your friends that would be so cool give me a fighting chance to make it out there because at the moment podcasting is having such a big moment and the big big BBC stuff is getting loads of attention those little ones are just at the back of a concert <laughs> that's going on behind all the tall people that don't need to be wearing heels and big hats <laughs> just does at the back waving look at me I'm here I'm here please don't forget me thank you for listening dear witches have a magical time this November and thank you all so much I appreciate every single one of you giving your time to listen to me all my love and magic swales